It's Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we are here once again in the studio live on this absolutely wonderful Saturday morning. I've been saying that a lot lately, and I'm not lying. No, it's been, it's been, this time of year is my favorite. This absolutely. And the, this and the spring are just the reason that we live here. Yep. You pay for it. And we paid for it pretty heavily this summer, and now we're getting paid back. It's good by me. So, we will keep doing this for a long time, I hope, and we'll keep having the good weather for a long time, too. Now, for those of you who are always with us on Saturday morning, thanks. You know we depend on you. It's a reason that we get up and keep doing this. And if you're new to the show, whether by accident or on purpose, stick around for the hour, and we promise you you'll learn something before the end of the hour. Not always sure what it's going to be, but you'll always learn something. So remember also there are no dumb questions. You call in if there's something you don't know. We will put you on right away, and we'll hope to answer your question. But if you don't know something, trust me, there's a lot of other people listening out there who also don't know that same thing. And nobody will be embarrassed about it. Not a problem. Um, Before we dig into the uh, market this is of course a very special day a lot of you may not know the entirety of why but on the 11th minute of the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month something very significant was happening in the year 1972 sarah and i were getting married that's right 51 years ago today it's a long time ago. there were some other things that happened on november 11th also but that was a little longer ago thank you thank you and anyway i wanted to just spout it out over the air of course happy anniversary 51 down and hopefully lots more to go mm-hmm. and i might add because it's really important it is also veterans day and of course there's a big parade downtown so don't be surprised if you see a lot of traffic around that you're not quite used to but it's very important and i i can never remember being in a town where it appreciates its military any more than this one for sure that and we, we certainly would be in that crowd yep and that was interesting because back when it was armistice day in 1919 1918 actually um it didn't become codified into the law until Wilson signed a proclamation and that was signed on June 28th of the next year which happens to be my birthday so we're kind of connected to the whole thing having never been a veteran of the military certainly been a veteran of marriage and family and my birthday was yesterday so there right. it's all full circle yep so Adam knocked off another one on the way to 50 but he's not there yet nope no but it does feel like that's all that yesterday was. It really wasn't exciting. <laughs> yeah, it, they, oh, these birthdays just—I don't know—they they lose their luster after a while. Yeah, the, the only thing you got to look forward to now is the, finding out if it's really true that when you hit the big ones like fifty and sixty, if more things hurt in the morning. I mean, I can already tell you that's going to happen. <laughs> Prelude to it. Anyway, we're happy to be here, of course, and we're happy that those people allow us to be here. All right, that said, we have, um, as usual, a trivia question, which we'll get into right after the first break. And it's going to be about the Dow Jones Industrial Average because for the past couple of weeks, that's been more fun to talk about lately than it had been for a while. So with that said, take it away. 
All right. Well, it was a good week. wasn't as good as last week, but it definitely continued the rally that started last week, which was uh, it was nice to see that confirmed this week. Yep. The Nasdaq broke out of its downtrend that started at the market peak last July, and it's now just two percent away from trading higher than that level. If we could retake that, that would be a really bullish sign for the market. I, for one, have my fingers crossed for next week. It's just two percent. The Nasdaq moved that it's doing, twice it did in that, two days this week. It, it, so, if we had another week like this, we'd already be there. That's right. So it, we're really, really just peeking over the fence right now. The S and P also had a really good week, but it didn't quite break out of its current downtrend. It would need to rally another four percent to surpass that July uh, high level. For the week, the NASDAQ was up 2.4%, the S&P was up 1.3%, and the Dow lagged as kind of been the trend up just 0.7%. After a bad October, this has turned into a good quarter with the Dow up 2.3%, the S&P up 3%, and the NASDAQ up 4.4%. One really funny trend that we've noticed this quarter is that uh, whenever clients come in and um, sit down, go over their account reviews, and the inevitably, almost like a, maybe 90% of them say, do we really want to look at this? <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, it, it's just been really funny because we put the numbers up there and they're every almost every one of them is like, wow, this is not nearly as bad as what I thought it was. Everyone has been expecting the worst. And even people that look at their accounts regularly have been expecting the worst. And then you put the numbers up there and they're pretty good. Just and doesn't feel good, and, no. and no one can explain it. Nope. But it doesn't feel good. But the I, numbers are there, folks. I, honestly, I don't remember another time when it's been when the feeling has been this negative, and the results have been as positive as they have been. Nope. I mean, you look at look at the numbers year to date. The Dow is up three point four, so that's eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then you flip over to the S and P; it's up fifteen percent, and the Nasdaq's up thirty, almost thirty two percent. And typically, going into this time of year with numbers like that, nothing goes wrong between now and the end of the year. It gets typically. even a little bit better. That's historical. It's not a guarantee. Yep. Uh, November has generally been a good month for U.S. equities. The only sector of the S&P that's off is energy, and that's down just over 2%. The best performing sector has been technology. That's up 9.5%. Consumer discretionary is up 6.1%, and communication services up 5.8%. So some pretty strong numbers inside the S&P. International stocks have also rallied. Brazil's up 8.8%. It actually overtook Israel, which is up 8.5%. And Mexico is up 7.7%. So even internationally seeing some strong numbers. The worst one has been China, and that's still up 1.7%. So when the worst one is up 1.7%, that's a, that's a pretty strong uh, pretty strong month. The bond markets rallied as well. Long treasuries are up 5.6%, and the overall market is up uh, right around 2%. The real area of weakness is commodities, where natural gas has fallen another 15.6%. Did you think it was possible? No, no. but it happened. Um, oil's down 4.3%. Gold is off 2.5%. Silver's off 3.1%. So that that has brought the index down 1.9%. There are some other areas that are up, like agricultural commodities, but... Overall, just a lot of weakness in commodities right now, but they were up 60-something percent mm -hmm. last year, so you kind of have to take that into account when you're looking at these small decreases. Yeah, and no, the, the underlying good news in there is that they do actually feed into the inflation rate, and we're having CPI numbers come out next Tuesday, 
And as commodities fall, pricing tends to either stop rising or back off a little bit. Yeah. The market's factoring in some pretty small inflation numbers. I, I think the right. expectation is for a 0.1% increase. If sure. the market did that for another six months or so, we'd be back down to the Fed target rate. Mm-hmm. And there's even some speculation that there'll be a little backing up in it. I certainly would not want to raise anyone's ex- expectations on that front, but it's looking okay. All right, we've got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the Banway Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Banway Financial Hour. I'm Steve Banway. And I'm Adam Banway. And as we were remarking during the break, Adam's got a lot more market wrap to do. But first, as promised, I want to introduce the... Um, Trivia question for the week brought to you as usual by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm. And you can call Ken at 904-636-7888. And occasionally you might run into him in the lobby here, which we did last week. So yeah, he was dropping off some gift cards. And mm-hmm. So, we so if we're behind out. on anybody's gift cards, if we which were, we were, we are now hopefully caught up. So there's more to come. Yeah, All you got to uh, do is pick up the phone. And also uh, my... Um, my friend Carolyn, who runs the charity that we do the work for, she got the card from our listener, Mike, and she right. was really, really appreciative and um, called me to, to say that. And I, I think she wanted to send uh, send you something or a letter or something like that. But um, anyways, that was just really, really nice. That was really nice. Yeah. All right. Um, one of the things that we have talked about pretty frequently is market attitude. And it's exemplified very often by Fridays. If the market's buying into the Friday afternoon rush, they're feeling pretty good about the weekend coming up, which means they're feeling pretty good about the longer term in the market. Well, guess what happened yesterday? Yeah, real strong close. And guess what happened a week ago? Same. So for those two days, the average on Friday for two weeks is 307 points up. Not bad in anybody's book. But that was kind of a change in attitude over the seven weeks before. What was the average change in the Dow for the seven Fridays before these two good ones? Hmm, Good question. And not something that anybody can just pull off the top of their head either. But I think you're going to like the answer for more reasons than one. All right, back to the market. So what caused this month to get better? Well, I point to really three things. There was three key reversals, and it was something we talked about last month and the month before a lot. We, we saw interest rates rising, oil prices rising, and, um, and the dollar rising. That's what uh, September and October were all about. Well, mm-hmm. guess what's happened? You've now got interest rates falling. You've got oil prices falling. We hit the 70s this week, which doesn't we haven't seen that in a while. It's happening so fast, it's almost scary. It really, it's crazy how fast. I mean, oil is more volatile than Bitcoin recently, yeah. it seems like. Um, and then Also uh, going in the other direction. Yeah, and then we, we also saw uh, the dollar fall from its recent highs. Although it, was, it ticked up this week, but it wasn't a major move, right. and it's well off its recent high. So... That caused mortgage rates to fall back a bit from over 8% to about 7.8%. We saw the price of gas uh, more or less plummet over the last month from 390 to 340 per gallon. I mean, you can see it at the pump. Uh, it's very noticeable right now how much cheaper gas is. So when those 
when these things move like they have been, it causes very real differences in our lives that are that are quantifiable and noticeable. So I think that has a lot to do with the mood in the market shifting as dramatically as it did. Earnings season is continuing to roll along and the earnings beat rate is staying right around 70%. Well, the revenue beat rate actually ticked up a bit to 62%. And both of those are fairly decent numbers. They're uh, both above the long-term averages. So that's good news. The forward guidance rate, it turned negative again, which is uh, which is not great. But last week it was positive, so I don't know where it'll end up. It's understandable. Yeah, I, I, nobody there's a wants lot to, of uncertainty out yeah, there. Yeah, nobody wants to get out over their skis too far on that kind of thing in a time period like this. Agreed. Uh, the, the earnings season unofficially comes to an end this week when Walmart reports. So if these numbers hold, I think that you would call this season slightly above average and considering the economic situation we're in I that seems like a win to get an above average season so I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by that and I do think that has an effect on what's happening in the market right now but the dunce cap goes to small caps oh I'm getting there okay that was my next (laughs) that was my next point actually how Uh, bad is it well there's just been a massive underperformance for a long time in the small cap market. It's been in place so long now that Apple and Microsoft have bigger market caps than the entire Russell 2000 index. Individually, not 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 combined. Plus Apple. Each of them individually is larger than the entire Russell 2000. That's crazy. That is absolutely it's obscene. It, it really is. For those of us who own small cap stocks, <laughs> it's uh, really obscene. As a percentage of the total market, small cap stocks are way under their historic average. Another way of looking at this is to compare the price to sales ratios of large cap stocks to small cap stocks. Mm-hmm. The Russell 1000 large cap index has a price to sales ratio above two, while the Russell 2000 small cap index has a price to sales ratio of about one. That means the market is valuing large cap revenue to be more than twice as valuable as small cap revenue. Why? Why I have do, no clue. Why does that make sense? I, if if there was a huge difference in profits, okay, maybe I I guess I could see that. But honestly, not I, there. I think it's just a, a ones in favor, ones out of favor, mm-hmm. and for that reason. I think that a rally in small caps is likely at some point. I don't know when it will happen, but I just it, either. Large caps have to fall or small caps have to go up. And I think the undervalue, the, I think that the, the latter will happen. I think that small caps are undervalued and will at some point be bought. I agree. There, there is no rhyme or reason to this, especially when the market is oriented toward growth. What's easier to grow, a yeah. small company or a big company? I mean, lately it seems like a big company, <laughs> hello NVIDIA, but yeah, I mean, normally it's a small company. Yeah, if you... The entire outlook on the market changes if you knock off about five stocks, the five big ones. You look at all the other part of the market, it makes more sense. Those five are so out of whack right now that they're doing, it's what people want to own. So, hey, we're not going to stand in the way. You want to own them, own them. But I'm I'm nibbling away at some small caps because it will change. I can't begin to tell you what day it'll change, but it will. Yeah, for sure. One-to-one is not a sustainable a marketplace for small caps, period. I agree. Well, okay, then it doesn't take a, a, a bloodhound to figure out some clues when they're staring you in the face like that, right? For sure. Um, 
Did you see uh, that? I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but did you see the good news that the IRS gave us this week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a whole thing on all kinds of IRS okay. stuff. Sometimes we complain about things like different inflation rates for different numbers that are different things in the government. They use different inflation rates for and everything. it's well-deserved. Yeah, our complaining. Yeah, our complaining. But sometimes you win because they give you something that may not even seem correct. <laughs> so I, I can't remember the last time when wrapping this up for the changes for the next year has been fun. Mm -hmm. This week it was fun. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder. We'll just That's tease okay. that and, and you can, you can get into it later, but okay. there is some good news out there from the IRS, which mm -hmm. that is not something we get to say every day. And it didn't look like it at first. My attitude changed this week because more things were released. And prior to that, it was a little bit iffy, which way it was coming down. But now it's very definitely in in the favor of the taxpayer. Not great big, but definitely on the big teeter-totter, we're, we're winning. One other thing I want to talk about. We've been long sort of wondering on this show where all the workers have gone. <laughs> and an article came out in the journal this week. Actually, no, it was in the Daily Mail um, about where all the people have gone. It turns out that 2 million more people have retired than were forecast to have retired. Yep. And that is not insignificant. That is a pretty huge number of people. And I, it's kind of surprising considering that the market has been so volatile. You would think that maybe some of those people would be thinking about retiring now, but over the last two years, Probably not a ton of. I bet there were more delayed retirements than than uh, retirements that got moved up over Absolutely. the last two years. So to to finally put a number on it at two million people, that kind of makes sense considering we've been we've been speculating that that's what has happened for for quite some time. So it was it was nice to see that article and someone actually did the research and found out that that what we thought was true. Yeah, on every early monthly show. It, the the uh, jobs numbers have been coming out at you know unless the calendar is just wrong the jobs numbers come out right after the first of the month and then on that Saturday we wrap them up and we we've, we've been a little confused on some of those things recently and having those two million retirees really changes our analysis of what's going on out there because mm -hmm. the, it's the size of the workforce hasn't been changing very much. No, it really hasn't, um, considering the opportunities out there. Yeah. So if you bring in a couple hundred thousand people in the population and a couple hundred thousand extra retirements go out, then you've accomplished nothing, but it's a kind of a radical change in the job market because yeah. not everybody who adds to the population is adding to the workforce potential. Yeah, and that's that's what we've been speculating, but there had never been any numbers to back it up, but here yeah. they are. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was really kind of intrigued by that thing because it, it does explain some things, but you know what it takes for someone to retire. That's confidence. Mm, unless they're involuntarily retired, which is 40% of retirements are involuntary. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know what it means, just think about it for a minute. If you are retired by your company, that is involuntary, and 
Will that happen to anybody? Yeah, it happens well, all the time. It can't be that. It can't be you get sick. It can't be, be that yeah. you have, not just you that, have to yeah. care for someone else. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that it happens, Absolutely. not just getting fired. Absolutely, but it definitely has an impact on the jobs numbers. And you notice the layoffs, again, were low this week. They were. It, it's just so strange trying to do it all. But we'll take another shot at it right after a short break. Don't go anywhere. This is the Bandwidth Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And a reminder, lines are open, 904-222-8255, where you can take a shot at this question. The last two Fridays have been excellent in the market, which we really appreciate, with an average up day of 307 points. But the seven Fridays before that, not so much. So what was the average change for the seven Fridays that ended three Fridays ago. It's just a number. In fact, I'm even going to improve the universe for all of you. It has a negative sign in front of it, which shouldn't surprise anybody. I'm not surprised. No, it's an attitude change. All right. One quick thing before we get into the IRS gifts. Those of you who are regular listeners probably remember us talking about Florida's newest resident, Jeff Bezos, who announced that he is moving in uh, to a, a, a small home on an island, about $49.8 million, I think. Probably a place where he can park his tugboat outside. <laughs> That's what I don't, I, if I recall, it's like 214 feet long. I don't know that you can park a boat like that in the back of your Some, house. Somewhere in the Jupiter Island area, which I assume all this is going on, there's a there are some slips or docks that will handle uh, things like that. Jupiter Island, I, I think he's in Miami. Jupiter that Island could is be. way could north. Be south of there. So, well, then yeah. he's got a couple of choices there. Yeah, but uh, that kind of yacht you've got to That's have a big. marina. I don't think yeah. you could put it in a yeah, slip. Yeah, it's not, not going to well, you plug it into your, yeah, your house. Your, yeah. Your <laughs> yeah, 110. Exactly. I don't think so. But anyway, we welcome him here. And we were, we're kind of discussing both on the show and then when I got home, Sarah and I were talking about it. And Adam had looked it up and said, you know, Washington State doesn't have a personal income tax. So what's going on? Because everybody knows why people come to Florida is to save lots of taxes. So I got to work on the uh, Washington State website, and lo and behold, Washington in, two, in 2021 passed a 7% tax on all long-term capital gains. Now, I thought again to myself, long-term capital gains... Jeff Bezos' stock is over a year old, so anything he sells will be a long-term capital gain. But it's more than that. They consider a capital gain any gain on any sale of a long-term capital item, which they include stocks and boats and houses and all that stuff. So don't let the the uh, jingle or the jingo or whatever the hell I'm trying to say. Don't let that get to you. Washington state is going to charge him every time he divests some stock or a home or anything, an additional 7%. Now Washington state does not have a personal income tax, but Seattle, Washington has a, an income tax all by itself. So Adam and I figured out that, He's going to be in the 31% range and maybe a little higher on everything, if he lived out there, on everything he'd sell 
on, his, cap, on his capital on his gains, capital right, gains. not his income tax. Exactly. That's, that's almost income tax level. It is. It would be almost gains. a wash for him to do it the other way. So in Florida, we're not going to assess him the extra 7%. Plus, and that's a lot of money, given the amount of stock that man has. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, they also have a high sales tax rate in yeah. Seattle. It's 8.8%. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit higher on food and beverages. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely still some uh, some tax rates that will be lower yeah. in Florida, even though we do have a high sales tax here, but it's not quite that high. And I don't care who you are picking on the rich to that degree is just stupid. Well, it's just going to make things like this happen. Yeah. So whose economy is going to benefit now and whose is going to hurt? I can figure that out real easily. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most people can. Okay, as Adam was saying, IRS released some more information for what's going to happen next year. And remember that what we're talking about here, these things will be applied to next year, and therefore they will be applied to your personal situation, meaning your tax preparation, for returns done in early 2025 for the 2024 tax year. So you... People who listen to us for a long time know that we have long complained about the inconsistencies handling inflation numbers. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is part of the Labor Department, has been charged with calculating the change in the CPI, in other words, the increase in the cost of living for Americans. And it seems to me, once that calculation is done, the logical thing would be to apply it to everything. Because... It is what it is, right? Oh, no, 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 no. We, that's too easy. Not, not fit for government work. So they came up now with a number for, um, this is for the year. Let's see, wait. They, this was applied to the September 30th fiscal year, I believe, which the new rates will come on. They came up with 3.7%. And that, if there's an intelligent person out there who believes that that's accurate, we'll talk about that later. But my point is that they're charged with it, and they came up with 3.7%. So that's what it is. We'll, we'll stipulate for now that that's what it is. So those of us on Social Security would look forward to a 3.7% increase, right? Oh, no, no, no. 3.2. The other half percent... Tough luck, old people. Shut up, pay up. That's it. But fortunately, the story doesn't stop there. For a while, that was released earlier than the tax rate things that we're about to talk about. And that's why I was getting off on the usual kind of ugly side of this whole process this year. But it's getting better. All right, let's talk about Medicare. Medicare Part B, which is what we all pay out of our pocket if you're on it, that's the doctors and hospitals, or doctors and, and services part, not the hospital part, we would expect that we would be paying 3.7% more. Nope. Another disappointment. The Part B premiums are going up 5.9%. So that's 2.2% over inflation. That has to come out of our pockets. But you're looking for some good news? I have some. Medicare Part A, hospitals, is going down 0.2%. But I don't feel warm fuzzies about that because nobody actually pays Part A. 
Okay. If you qualify for Social Security, meaning you have 40 quarters where you reported income, you get that, I hate the word free in the government, you get that prepaid. There's no monthly premium for <laughs> A, so you're saving 0.2% of nothing. Wow, that's a good deal. So that's that is that's the fourth different inflation rate we've talked about that's right. in this short segment. But, but let's wait, find more. There's more. <laughs> We're not done yet. Let's talk about Irma. Remember Irma? Our old friend Irma. Irma is the income-related monthly adjustment amount, which is a surcharge that people with higher incomes pay for their Medicare B premiums and their Medicare D premiums. Well, that um, that can take your $165 Medicare uh, monthly payment to $560 a month, and there are stops in between based on your income. That's for super high incomes but the point is it's an income tax now let's talk about part d which a lot of people know means the drug portion that was started under bush i think and not everybody has to you don't have to use part d i personally i use a drug plan from florida blue and a lot of other people do and other people don't use one at all but whether you use it or not if you're qualified for irma you still pay the irma charge because it is not anything to do with your medical premiums. It is an income tax. And I was told that by an IRS agent, and I thanked her profusely for telling me the truth because that's what it was feeling like. That probably goes back 10 years now. Well, guess what the IRMA charges are doing? Going up 3.7? Want to guess yes or no? I'm going with no. I'm going to say no. Yeah. How about six? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So the income tax that applies to... Medicare is rising six instead of the 3.2 that we're getting on the Social Security side, meaning that your monthly paycheck from Social Security is being compressed yet again. Isn't that wonderful? That is now the sixth different rate of inflation applied to this tax year. Fortunately, and this is really clutching the straws here, people. Fortunately, there is a law on the books that if the Medicare charges rise more than the um, increase on your Social Security, you can't go negative. You have to get paid as least as much as you did last year. But then when those situations change in future years, they catch up. So it's only for that period of time that you are maybe getting a little bit of a break. So, you know, you got to watch this stuff. They're after you. All right, let's talk about retirement plan contributions. Sometimes they go up, sometimes they don't go up. But for people using traditional versions of 401ks or IRAs or whatever, it's deductible, which can reduce your gross income and therefore your taxable income. Well, we um, didn't get 3.7%, but we did get an increase of a lousy 500 bucks for our 401ks, and there was no uh, bump up for the people over 50 and the catch-up contributions. So that that's about 2.2%. So again, we get about a percent and a half that we have to pony up out of our pockets. IRA contributions rose from 6,500 to 7,000. And this is where the good news starts. So I'll, I'll tease you with this one. And after the break, we'll do the other good ones. But that amounts to 7.7% for account owners who are under 50 and 6.7% for 
IRA owners who are above 50 because they did bump up the catch-up contribution. Now, those numbers are nicely above the uh, rate of inflation as stated, and therefore it does reduce your taxable income for those who contribute the max to their plans. And before we take the quick break, I will just say, and if you don't, start there. We'll be right back, and there's lots more. This is the Banway Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we remind you, lines are open, 904-222-8255. And the question remains, instead of the 300-point average update for the last two Fridays, the seven Fridays before that, we're down by how much? Just a whole number. That's it. All right, continuing the discussion about IRS, I managed to pile in a lot of bad news before the break, so it's time we get to some good news. And I did. I mentioned the IRA increases from sixty-five hundred to seven thousand. So for those of you who are in the deductible zone on those things, you can get that full seven thousand. And I remind everybody, it's far better to do your contributions early in the year for that year because you get an extra year in the market of free growth, tax-free or tax-deferred growth. They didn't raise the um, over 50 catch-up contribution because that's one of the things in the tax code that's done in increments. So you have to have X amount of inflationary percentages to reach those things. And this one is done by $500 increments, and apparently it didn't get there, although I'm going to argue that before the show is over too. But the point is, it's still good news for those of us who do those things. But then the real good news, the one that I honestly and truly did not expect. In fact, I went crashing into the numbers when I saw the article in line thinking, okay, now I'm really going to do some nitpicking for, so I can complain at the show on Saturday. And lo and behold, they've raised the tax brackets about 5.4%. And they are stating that the inflation rate is 3.7%. Now, I could look the gift horse in the mouth and say, I wonder why they did that, but I kind of feel like I'd rather just sit back and enjoy it because some of those other numbers that I said earlier have just been given back to us through the increases in the, we call it the breadth of the the tax bracket. In fact, we've been doing some uh, calculating and mostly in our heads, but Adam's got a number for you that's very pertinent because we're, we're talking about getting something free here. And this is kind of astounding. Take it the, away. The are are you referring to the rate? That, how do you how much can you make and get a oh, zero? Okay, capital? okay. So yeah, with the increase in the in the brackets, uh, this is and and the increase in the standard deduction. This is pretty, I think, pretty incredible. So if you take a twenty nine thousand dollar, we'll round up to thirty thousand dollars just for ease of calculation, standard deduction, and then you can make. Uh, $94,300 before you hit the 22% bracket. So if you add those two And by making it, I mean, that is the taxable income. You've got a lot to derive to get down there. Correct. So that's taxable income. Yeah. So then if you you sort of back that into, um, into a number, that means like your, your gross income, you're looking at somewhere in the 120,000 range before you hit the uh the 22 percent bracket but 
if you contribute to a 401k or both of you contribute to 401ks, you can add another 23,000 in income uh, to both sides of that. So that's another $46,000 in income as long as you contribute it to a 401k that you can make. So if you add all of those together, you're looking at $175,000 in income and you're still only in the 12% tax bracket. That's that that seems like a lot of money to be in a very low tax bracket like and that. And better yet, any of that that's made up of capital gains, the rate is zero. That's right. So you, you would actually get those tap, capital gains tax-free, which is another gift. This is why tax planning now has become way more important than any time that we've been in this business. If you can manipulate any part of your income, which most people can by doing things like increasing your 401k contributions, if you plan it correctly so you can keep under that magic number, you can take capital gains in there for free. You have to remember that the capital gains figure into your tax bracket. So if, let's say you got a $10,000 capital gain, and with that, you go up to the, um, what, what 94.3? Is that the magic number? Mm-hmm. If that is included in there, then you do not pay taxes on that 10000 If you go $1 over that, you pay 15% on the entire $10,000. This requires planning, yes. good planning. Yep. You know, a, I got a little note up here, this too. Is, this is a very good example of why having a Roth in retirement along with a traditional and having money in a brokerage account, if you can have all three sources and pick and choose what you withdraw from in retirement, this is why it's so important because you can, you can save yourself big tax bills, but if you do your tax planning correctly. Yep. And on that subject, this is a year unlike any other and it's getting more and more this way every year. But if you do, if you're interested in doing any Roth conversions, and the reason you would do this is because down the line, you're not going to need all of your required minimum distributions from your taxable accounts. So you want to get some of it over to the Roth and have to take out less. This Roth conversion process now is much more important. And by important, I, I, I honestly just mean potentially lucrative to you, the taxpayer. It, and whether you do a Roth or not, that's an independent decision. But if you are careful doing it, maxing it out to get zero capital gains rate, meaning you can't go over that 94.3, is a big deal. Got to have a little padding. Those of you who have been doing this a long time and listening to us and so on, you know that there used to be a, um, a second chance with your Roth conversion where you could recharacterize next year and it would be as if it didn't happen. Well, they took that away from us along with some other things, but I think the package net was still fair, but it it has substituted the need for really good tax planning over a lot of other years and a lot of other issues when it comes to doing your tax prep. So if you have questions about that, you should do what this little article says. It says, and this is from the investment news, Consumers with CFPs live better lives, study finds. And no, I didn't write it. <laughs> I wish I had, but I didn't. But it, it, it's got all kinds of interesting things. They're, they're more satisfied with their wealth. They're, 
they're in better mental health and enjoy their family life. They they uh, rate their quality of life scores higher than people who don't. And 98% of those who work with the CFP trust the advisor to act in their client's best interest. And 92% will continue with the people they've got. It's fine, you know, if we, if we can be better than your people, good. If not, they they need to make a living and keep doing what they're doing too. But this study was very, very in-depth. And if you read it all, you would find out that now, this always sounds self-serving and I can't help it because it's the truth. You will find out that your your investment returns are on average between 1% and 3% better compounded annually by using a CFP. Now, over your lifetime, over not your lifetime. in any given year. Yeah, and that's after paying us. So what do we cost? Huh? I'd argue that we don't, but I can't really prove it. Anyway, the five things that they, they summed up the study with five things. The, the people are having improved financial well-being and peace of mind. They have more confidence with financial decision-making. That's a biggie. How many of you have heard the term analysis paralysis? We see a lot of it. Having a CFP helps to explain and simplify the financial matters. It saves you time and effort. And they generally feel satisfied with their wealth and their level of wealth. And it's particularly important as they drift off into retirement years to feel that way. So just a little something to think about. I should probably have Adam tell you how to contact us if you're thinking about calling on a CFP. Yeah, the best way to do it is if you you want to talk to us on Monday morning, call our phone number 904-685-1505 but we're always available on the web at, that's vanwefinancial.com v-a-n-w-i-e and on our website you can uh, you can learn a lot about us you can find uh, old episodes of our our radio show which we edit out all the commercials make it into a podcast for you um, but you can also book a meeting with us right there there's a little link on the on the website and uh, it's real simple to schedule some time so come on in and see us if you get a chance yeah and as as I've pointed out many many times in the past you really do meet the nicest people in a job like this it, it, I, we're finding a demographic about Jacksonville that's unbelievable. I want to give the answer out first, and I'll let Adam describe what we were talking about in the break. But uh, instead of the 307 up, the seven Fridays before that average down 126, that's a net change of 433 points, net to the good. That, I believe, is an attitude change and is very significant for people getting back in the market and moving a little money maybe out of some of the stuff. I'm not saying dive in. I'm saying there's a better comfort zone. Anyway, what Adam and I both un- knew back in 92 when we moved down here, this town lacked a good solid middle class. It did. It did. There, it was a lot of wealthy people in Ponte Vedra and uh, Ortega and some of the other wealthier areas you would suspect. And then there was a giant um, sort of uh, uh, $40,000 a year type type jobs. And, and there was nothing in that sort of 
lower level executive to mid level executive range. Well, man, has that shifted. No kidding. Uh, we meet so many people who are in that middle, that middle to like lower to upper middle class range. Now it's just Jacksonville looks so different than it used to. It's it's really quite remarkable. And it's not just numbers. I mean, it actually looks different. Yeah. yeah. Better better attitudes among people. It's just a I think a really more delightful place to live than it's ever been. And this is part of it. I agree. People are happier when they're making more money. Yeah, we're seeing the eighty thousand to three hundred and fifty thousand. People are numerous out there now. They're, they're all over the place. Yeah. If you're not getting it, work harder and whatever it takes. See you next week. Thanks for listening. This is the Van with Financial Hour.